Pastor Xavier Reese with the hope of the gospel able to turn mourning into dancing. The lamentation of David over Saul and Jonathan was genuine. When people are godly, we, we exalt them, we commend them, but we point people to Christ, not to them, the one they hoped in. It's going to be an amazing day, and we're all with the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. An amazing, amazing day. And so if we're going to be true, we proclaim the gospel. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We might have expected celebration at the death of his great enemy and rival, but David mourned. For out of pure jealousy, hatred, and ungodliness, Saul took away David's family, career, and security. And Saul was utterly unrepentant to the end. Yet David mourned and wept and fasted when he learned of Saul's death. Pastor Xavier continues a simple truth study of 2 Samuel chapter 1 about choosing to become better instead of bitter among the most trying of circumstances. Let's listen. The news brought... David by this Amalekite over the death of Saul and Jonathan is laid out for us in these three movements. In verse 1 through 10, the information reported by the Amalekite to David. Then 11 through 16, the consternation of David over the Amalekite. And then 17 through 27, the lamentation of David over Saul. Take note in verse 1 and 2, the arrival of the Malachite is given to us. The specifics of time is stated and very important because you can collaborate with what's happened before and now, and the Bible is very specific. He was coming from Mount Gilboa. That's where the battle took place. Now, whether this Malachite was a mercenary for the Philistines, we're not told, but certainly we're going to see that he's a questionable person. He came to David, he fell on the ground, prostrating himself. So his posture is very humble, very acknowledging the superior before him, David. And it it appeared that, that he was genuine, but appearances aren't always what they appear to be. And then David, in verse 4, asks about the battle. Because, you know, David hasn't gotten news. And he's urgent. The urgent question is, he says, how, how did the matter go? Please tell me. He answered, the people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead. And here comes the clincher. And Saul and Jonathan, his sons, are dead also. Like a knife crossing his heart. He has a young man who told him, how do you know? He says he just happened to be in the area first. I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa. And then he says that he saw Saul injured. There was Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. It was a fierce battle. And then he says he was called by Saul. He's presenting himself as someone who is coming to Saul's aid. Someone who is good. He said to me again, please stand over me, kill me. For anguish has come upon me but my life still remains in me. And by his own words, he says he killed Saul. I stood over him. I killed him because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. Now notice David in verse 10 there still. 
heard the words of the Amalekai, and they were worse to seek the favor of David. Because notice that he stripped from Saul his kingly royal emblems. I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. Notice the record of the battle really proves the Malachite to be a liar. We have to contrast this with the last chapter of 1 Samuel, chapter 31, particularly verse 3 through 8. I'm just going to run you through some contrast. In Samuel 31, 1 Samuel 31, verse 3 and 4, Saul was struck by the archer severely, we are told, wounded. Wanting not to be tortured, he asked his armor bearer to fall upon him and kill him. He refused to do so. Now, the Amalekite says he was leaning on a spear. How can he do that if he found a sword? In verse 5 of 31, seeing Saul falling on the sword, the armor bearer of Saul falls on his own sword and says, and he died with him, Saul. Verse 5 says Saul died. Then verse 6 of 31, the summary statement declares that Saul, his three sons, the armor bearer, and all the men died together in the same day. That's the second time it says that Saul died. Then in verse 7, the men of Israel saw Saul and his sons were dead. That's the third time it tells us Saul was dead. And then in verse 8 of 31, the next day the Philistines stripped the bodies. They found Saul and his three sons fallen in Malgoboa. Four times in four verses, we are told directly or indirectly that Saul died. The fact that the Amalekite presented David with the crown of the king, the bracelet of Saul here, only proves that he stripped the body of Saul before the Philistines got to him. That's all it proves. The book of First Chronicles, chapter 10, verse 1 through 12, is a testimony against him because it's an identical word-for-word record of chapter 31 of 1 Samuel. So the Amalekite here, which we're going to see as a type of the flesh, is a liar, seeking to get favor from David. Very evident. Now, next comes the consternation of David over the Amalekite, 11 through 16. Notice 11 and 12, the grief of David over the fallen warriors of Israel. In 11, David expresses grief in a very demonstrative way immediately when he heard these words. David the king symbolically reveals his own sorrow. Therefore, David took hold of his own clothes and tore them. A sign of mourning, grief, great loss. And David as king and leader was followed by his men. So did all the men who were with him. Listen to me. It's important that we have good leaders because people are followers. If they follow a good leader, they will follow and emulate good things. If they follow bad leaders, they become corrupt like them. It's just simple. Notice in verse 12, David and his men continue in their grief till sundown. The extent of their grief is threefold. They mourn, which means to wail and lament. They wept, it means bitterly, with anguish. And they fasted, it means they abstained from food. The duration is until evening. Now the individuals that they were grieving for, is they were grieving for Saul, it says, verse 12. 
for his son Jonathan, for the people of the Lord, all those faithful warriors, and they grieve for the house of Israel because it was a great loss of the house of Israel. The reason for their grief is because they have fallen by the sword. Now notice the condemnation of the Amalekite by David is given in verses 13 through 16. In 13, David approached the young man a second time. David questioned him about his nativity. And David said to the man who told him, where are you from? The response was, I am the son of an alien, an Amalekite. He's pulling out his international passport. Protective service. You can't touch me. Really? He was an Amalekite who had settled in Israel among the people of God as a protected alien. The, the Amalekites were perennial enemies, but somehow this guy, he was allowed to be in them. There were people who came into Israel without being proselytes, and they lived there. They had attacked Israel from coming out of Exodus, remember, in Exodus 17 and Deuteronomy 25. And God didn't like that. And God said that he would have war with them perpetually. Exodus 17, 14, Numbers 14, 43 on down. We've already seen that God commanded Saul to kill all the Amalekites, and he spared the king and others in 1 Samuel 15, and he took the kingdom from him. They're a type of the flesh. Now, notice David charged the young Amalekite here with arrogance in slaying Saul, verse 14. And so David said to him, he's questioning him, how was it that you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's or the Yahweh's anointed because he claimed to be an alien that lives among Israel. He knew he was the king of Israel. He knew he was directly anointed by God, though he was the people's king. And you, you didn't fear? You remember David had spared Saul twice in chapter 24 and 26. He wouldn't touch God's anointed. David would not lift his hand against him. The account of the Amalekites is proven to be a liar, as we have seen. But David does not know this. David is accepting his words as fact. This is the first information. You and I know this, but this is what David's hearing. But his words are self-condemning. For as a resident alien, he should have feared to touch God's anointed. Notice in 15, David pronounced the sentence of death over the young Amalekite as a consequence. So David said to him, your blood is on your own head for your own mouth has testified against you saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Notice thirdly, we have the lamentation of David over Saul and Jonathan. In 17 and 18, you have the introduction of the lamentation. The first verse is called the superscription. Identified here the kind of genre of the Hebrew poetry. It's much like many of the Psalms. An example is Psalm 142.1 where it says, a contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. So it gives you the title and what it's about. The verse says, listen, then David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and Jonathan his son. So it tells you what it's about. The word for lamentation means a funeral mourning or a procession in itself. 
David is called the sweet psalmist of Israel in 2 Samuel 23.1. If you've read the Psalms, David had a silver tongue. He had a way of expressing himself with the Lord. David uses the bow of Jonathan, his weapon of choice in war, and what he's to be remembered by. It says, and he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. When Jonathan and David met at first, remember in 1 Samuel 18, 4, he stripped himself for David after he killed Goliath, and they just clicked together. He stripped himself of his armor, his sword, and his bow and his belt, and he gave it to him, remember? And then when David and he were making a pact to find out if his father Saul was trying to kill him in 1 Samuel 20, 22, he said, listen, I'm going to shoot some arrows. I'm going to tell the kid they're closer. That means we're okay. If I say they're beyond, then you'll pick them up, and you'll know that you're in danger. The bow. In verse 19, David gives Saul and Jonathan the highest honor. They were the glory and splendor of the nation. The beauty of Israel is slain in your high places. Though Saul tried to kill him, he acknowledged him for being king of Israel. You understand? Verse 19, still, they were courageous warriors. How the mighty have fallen. He'll repeat this. How the mighty have fallen. It's repeated two more times in verse 25 and 27. It's alluded one more time in verse 21, a total of four. In 20, David commands that it be kept secret from the enemy, lest they boast in it. Two Philistine cities are named. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Eshkelon. You're familiar with the cities, even as Samson, the book of Judges, and also the early part of 1 Samuel, as the ark was taken to the Philistine cities. The reason is articulated. Lest the daughters of the Philistine rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. It's a derogatory term, the uncircumcised, the enemies of God. David calls for a curse on the location of their death in 21. The curse is on Mount Gilboa. Let there not be dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. Because of the mighty men that fallen. The reason for the shield of the mighty is cast Away here, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. And so his lament for both of them. Notice in verse 22 and 23, David commands both of them for their heroic bravery. He's not praising Saul for his evil, but for his bravery to fight the wars of Yahweh. Jonathan, in verse 22, and Saul were fearless and courageous heroes hitting their targets. Mighty warriors, fierce. For the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Look at 23. Jonathan and Saul were inseparable in death as they had been in life. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death, They were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. Fast. Good eye. They were stronger than lions. Fierce together. In 24, David calls the women now to wail for Saul, who brought prosperity to them in contrast to the enemies of the ladies there. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and luxury. Luxury is finery, food, drink, all of that. He had brought their level of living up with expensive accessories. You'll like this, ladies. 
who put ornaments of gold on their apparel. Look at 25. David expressed his sadness of losing his friend, Jonathan. The painful reality of war has expressed how the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. The painful separation from his closest friend, Jonathan, was slain in your high places. This is something that none of us can understand unless you've been in war and have made the bond with other men. I'll never forget 205 as my son called me from Iraq as he and his recon team went out by the Syrian border seeking out insurgents. And um, he began to talk to me and tell me of them being in the Euphrates and they went into this house and there was insurgents and two of his best friends, Derek and Seamus, Seamus Davey. They each had a room to go in as the others. Derek went into one. He saw a rifle coming out from under a blanket, and then he saw more. He knew it wasn't good, and then Seamus walked in, and everything broke loose, probably a 20 by 20 room. Seamus was cut down instantly. Derek was hit three times. As my son heard the fire, he came around the corner in the room, and he received an AK-47 in his chest. By God's grace, his metal vest stopped it. They finished the job, but I'll never forget. As he just wept for his friend. This is David. Don't ever forget it, ladies and gentlemen. You're here because of the soldier. The one who dies for you. Great loss. There's a love between camaraderie that we have no idea about like that. Look at 26. David declared his love for Jonathan. He declares his inability to receive comfort by his loss. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. He declares his appreciation and value of his friendship. They both were loyal and faithful in their friendship by covenant. Remember, they made about three covenants. David closes the dirge with an expression of the great loss and honor as he began in verse 27. The men, how the mighty have fallen. The instruments of war and the weapons of war perish. God told Eli, listen, remember when he sent that prophet, God spoke, Judgment to Eli. 1 Samuel 20, verse 30. Those that honor me, I will honor them. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Remember that in your relationship to God. Funerals are without doubt the place where more lies are spoken than in any other place or any other time. The people could have been the worst individuals, husbands or wives, yet everyone says, but they had a good heart. Others tell how sincere they were despite of their destructive lifestyle. Still others will attest to how hard workers they were and how they loved their families, yet they constantly brought turmoil and difficulty and havoc to their life and the life of their families. How contradictory. Proverbs 25, 11 says, 
A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Valuable. Because words are to redeem silver. You understand? Funerals for Christians is a celebration, having the assurance of hope that the minute I give up my breath, I see the face of my Lord. You understand? Instantly. The loved ones who have gone before me, father, mother, brother, sister, grandparents, great-grandparents, the minute I give up the last breath, I see my Lord's face, and I'm rejoined with those who have died in Christ. I'm with them in heaven. Be it by death or rapture, that will happen. Listen to Paul the Apostle in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpazled together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And so the Lord will take us up. If the rapture comes first, we'll go back with him for seven years, be with our loved ones, then we'll come back to set up the kingdom. If we die, we're instantly present before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. Funerals are incredible opportunities to preach the gospel. Two places I love to preach the gospel, weddings and funerals, captive audiences. The people attending funerals often are not born again. And whenever I speak to people, I assume you're not born again because I don't know who isn't. So I speak to you as dead people needing to turn to God so you can live and not perish. And I never finish without giving you an opportunity to accept Christ. The need of people at funerals is to hear the gospel, not philosophy. It is amazing how many people do come to Christ at funerals when there's a faithful proclamation of the gospel of their need of Christ and the hope because all will die. Funerals are not for the dead. Funerals are for the living that are going to die, that they might not perish without Christ. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so if we're going to be true, we proclaim the gospel. We warn people. When people are godly, we... We exalt them. We commend them. But we point people to Christ, not to them. The one they hoped in. The lamentation of David over Saul and Jonathan was genuine. A selfless expression. What an account. As David has received the news from this Amalekite. The information reported by the Amalekite to David was false for self Promotion. The consternation of David over the Amalekite was right, evident by self condemnation. And the lamentation of David over Saul and Jonathan was genuine, a selfless expression. Pure love. Up to this point, what an incredible man. What a great loss. You and I will experience great losses in life but will only be for a short time if they're godly. It's going to be an amazing day when we're all with the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. 
an amazing, amazing day. Pastor Xavier Reese, providing the hope of eternal life offered through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the simple truth of comfort we have in the loss of loved ones. Now, the title of today's study is simply David Honors Saul and Jonathan in Death and is available upon request for just $4. We can send you your own personal copy on CD, which, by the way, will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is David Honors Saul and Jonathan in Death or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com